Well, in this day and age, following a famous person uh, or a group, following like a sports team is just so easy. We just have to log on to Instagram, search up the person or the group, scroll down, and you click that follow button, and you've become a follower. And you get to see and know what they're up to. And you get to be influenced by their actions and speech. And you get to receive some blessing from their way of life, and whether they help boost your level of happiness, or help you win prizes, or give you motivation. It's all done at the tip of our fingertips at our convenience. It's all very easy. But what about when it comes to following Jesus? Uh, I wonder if Jesus was living here on earth, how many Instagram followers you might have. Uh, at each post of him, healing a cripple or a mute or a blind person, how many likes he might generate. I'm guessing many, many people would start clicking away at that follow button and say they are followers of Jesus. Uh, he would probably have more followers than Cristiano Ronaldo, who's the current world number one a person being followed. And so from today's passage, the big question is, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Uh, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Now, you might remember in Matthew's gospel so far, Jesus has been on the scene and there's thousands of people following him around uh, to reap some sort of benefit from him. Uh, whether it's physical healing or to learn from Jesus' wisdom or to be fed by him or for his disciples to become more like him. Uh, people have been following him for all sorts of reasons, uh, thinking he's John the Baptist or Elijah or Nehemiah or another prophet. Uh, but last week, we reached the climax to the revealing of Jesus' true identity, that Jesus is the Christ, the promised king, the son of God. And Jesus confirms it with his own lips. But strangely enough, he says not to share this great news with anyone. It's like Jesus is making a private post just for his friends, and he says, do not repost or tweet or hashtag it. You see in the Bible, Jesus strictly charges his disciples not to tell anyone that he is the Christ. But why? Wouldn't Jesus want more followers if he is the Christ? Doesn't he want more people clicking that follow button? Well, I think it's because Jesus wants followers who follow him on his terms. And Jesus knew that his disciples weren't following him on his terms because they had yet to understand what the Christ had come to do. And so let me show it to you from today's passage. So if you turn to verse 21, uh, Jesus tells his, his disciples that his mission as the Christ. So from verse 21, From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Jesus says his mission as the Christ is to be the king who suffers. Not only suffers, but ends up dying. Now Peter, hearing this, has the audacity to rebuke Peter, oh, sorry, rebuke Jesus because he cannot swallow the fact that the Christ can seem so weak and unimpressive. And so he says, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But Jesus turns around and rebukes Peter back and emphatically says, Get behind me, Satan, for you are a hindrance to me, 
For you are not setting your minds on the things of God, but on the things of man. Jesus calling Peter Satan are harsh words, aren't they? For uh, Peter was praised a moment ago as the rock on which Jesus would build his church. But now Peter has become a hindrance or this stumbling rock. And Jesus says this because Peter is not setting his minds on the things of God, but rather on the things of man. And so how has Peter set his mind on the things of man? Uh, What is Peter's wrongdoing or wrong thinking? Well, I take it that Peter's uh, wrong thinking is that his expectations of what the Christ would be like was driven more by how the world thinks rather than what God thinks. Uh, Peter and his disciples all expect an outwardly impressive Christ, an impressive king, one who is powerful, mighty, and victorious. And you can somewhat sympathize with Peter because if you've been reading your Old Testament, God makes many promises in the past, like in 2 Samuel 7 or Psalm 2, of a son, a king who would come to smash all his enemies and rule his kingdom with no equal. All their hopes were banked on this Christ to come to dash their enemies, which was the Roman Empire at that time, into pieces like a potter's vessel. And it's a bit like how we follow uh, outwardly impressive people today. Uh, People like Bill Gates, who is extraordinarily wealthy, or people like Steve Jobs, who was extraordinarily charismatic, or people like LeBron James, who is extraordinarily athletic, or the model, who is extraordinarily beautiful. Wouldn't you want to follow someone like that? And so if we take a moment to think about ourselves, Maybe we're not so different from Peter. Do we expect an impressive Christ for our life? A powerful king who will make our lives easier rather than more difficult? Perhaps we want a charismatic king who will grow his church so that we can look impressive and influential in this world. Maybe we want a wealthy king who will give us everything we want without really making any demands on our lives. But Jesus says that he will be a Christ who will look weak, suffer, and die. And in the future weeks to come, we'll actually see that this is the best kind of king we can actually ask for because through his suffering and death, he paves the way for forgiveness and eternal life. However, the question here is what are your expectations of the Christ? Well, if we have rightly understood what kind of Christ Jesus is, is that all that's required now for us to follow him? Well, if you look in verse 24, Jesus spells out three things about what it really means to follow him. These three things aren't three separate things or a step-by-step process, but they're more the same thing that's been expressed in three different ways. So let's have a look together at verse 24. Jesus says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So the first thing Jesus says is to deny yourself. And we learned it in kids' church, didn't we? Uh, To deny myself is to simply say no to me. But what are we exactly saying no to? Uh, It's about saying no to ruling my own life as I see fit. 
It's about giving control over to Jesus. Uh, sometimes Christians have trivialized this to mean denying eating more chocolates or denying drinking alcohol or about denying uh, eating meat or similar things. However, it's not about denying one or a few things or actions in our lives, but it's about giving up control over everything to Jesus. It's a turning from a life lived for yourself to a life with Jesus ruling it. Secondly, what about the cross? What does it mean to take up your cross? Well, these days, we see the cross often used as a fashion accessory, where people wear it around their necks, have a tattoo, or hanging on their car. But in Jesus' time, the cross was an instrument of death and torture. It was the worst way for anyone to die in shame and in humiliation. So what Jesus is saying to his disciples is that if you want to follow me, you will need to give up your life. It's an invitation to come and die. But what does Jesus mean by that? Is he speaking literally here? We don't see Peter and the apostles carrying a cross around straight after Jesus says this. So Jesus is actually speaking metaphorically. He's saying in order to follow him, something must die. And that something is again the right to rule our own lives. Uh, Now I want to dispel one common misunderstanding about taking up the cross that you may have heard. You might have heard someone say, this is my cross to bear. And they were speaking about a certain illness that they might have had or have or a current joblessness or a current disappointment or something negative in the Christian person's life. And these things are real and are great burdens for people. And so I'm not trying to downplay them, but I don't think that's the way in which Jesus was referring or using the word cross here. When the disciples heard Jesus are talking about taking up their cross, they didn't equate the cross to, be, to mean a certain burden they had to carry, but they knew it meant it was about giving up their life. And for many of these disciples, following Jesus did literally mean dying for their faith later on. And you might know that the apostle Peter was said to be crucified upside down for his faith. Uh, Now, the third thing that Jesus mentions about discipleship is to follow. To follow Jesus simply means to trust him and go where he leads. It's to die like Jesus and to rise to life again like him. A couple of weeks back, back, we heard that the fastest growing church in the world is in Iran. And so when I heard this, I was actually genuinely shocked. I thought it would be China. And so someone in my growth group sent a documentary uh, on the church in Iran, and it was amazing to see many, many Iranians turning to Christ as their Lord and Savior. And they were risking their lives each day to teach and share Jesus to others. And so this is a quote from one of them. She says, I've talked to my husband, and we have made an agreement that this is the decision of our lives. So if we leave that door and we don't come back, We accept the consequences of what happens. These Christians have understood what it means to follow Jesus. In the face of a radical Islamic government, following Jesus is more important than their life. Now for us, 
we don't face the same level of persecution, do we? Uh, but we are still called to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and follow Jesus. So what does that mean for us who live in Australia? And what are some things that we might desire more than Jesus and his mission? Maybe for the retire, maybe for the retired, with the abundance of time, denying myself might mean to give up some retiree dreams in order to serve and do kingdom work, as I have heard many of us doing. Maybe for busy parents, it's to deny from time to time even the good things in order to get involved in kingdom work, so to show and teach our children to do the same. Maybe for stressed workers, following Jesus means not being ruled by our desire for achievements or status or recognition and satisfaction in work, but a desire for serving Jesus and his mission. What can you and I be doing to be in a habit of denying ourselves in order to honour and live for Jesus. Uh, Maybe this is something we can continue uh, chatting about at morning tea today. But at one level, you might say that what Jesus is asking sounds a bit crazy. Why would I want to deny myself, die to myself, and follow Jesus? Uh, Isn't it better if I just live for myself now? Why would anyone want to do this? Well, Jesus goes on to explain why it's worth following him. And I think the key word is the word prophet, and you'll see it in verse 26. Uh, Jesus is asking, what kind of life is most profitable and worthwhile? Uh, he wants you, to, you and me to weigh up the options so that we can make the best possible decision. And we do this all the time, don't we? Uh, we for instance, when we're buying a car, uh, we weigh up the options between one brand and another brand, so maybe Toyota and Honda. And uh, we see what they both offer and the options that are available, and we go with the one that gives the most value for money. And we, it's just a matter of wisdom that we do this. We want what is most profitable, and we want what is worth, most worthwhile. And so have a look at what Jesus says. He says that a life that is lived for yourself is not worth it but a life that is lived for the sake of Jesus is worth it because it will ultimately lead to eternal life. And you see it there in verse 25. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And then he reinforces the point in the very next verse. He says, The life that is lived for yourself has no profit because even if you gain the whole world, even if you have everything that you've ever desired, you will lose your life in the next one, in the next world. And you can see it there in verse 26. What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? And why can Jesus say this? How can Jesus be so sure of this? Well, it's because a day is coming when Jesus himself will return as the judge of the whole world. And those who follow him will receive their reward of everlasting life. But those who have lived their lives for themselves will be given everlasting condemnation. And you see it there in verse 27. For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of the Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done.
self-denial and dying to self and following Jesus doesn't make sense if this life is all there is. But if in the end there is judgment and there is a sure hope of eternal life, then to follow Jesus is the only way to live that actually makes sense. So are you following Jesus in this way? Are you living a life of self-denial? Are you living a life that dies to self because you want to serve Jesus in your life? Well, if you are, then you are tremendously blessed. For Jesus would say that you have made the right and the wise decision. But if you're here this morning and you haven't yet made that decision for yourself, would you consider Would you consider following Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Now, the last thing I want to mention is that this passage is not teaching salvation by works. Uh, Jesus is not saying that you need to do all these religious works or follow these rules to be saved. Because if we look back at last week's passage, uh, Jesus says himself that he is the one who is going to build his church. He's going to save people and gather his people. And so he isn't going to do half the work and leave the other half for us to do. However, what Jesus is saying is that in order to be saved, you need to follow him. And however imperfectly we do it, you, can be, you cannot be a disciple of Jesus without self-denial, dying to self, and earnestly following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So are you following Jesus in this way? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Uh, we thank you for sending your Son to suffer and die and rise again so, that, so as to give us hope of eternal life. Uh, we pray that you would help us understand what kind of Savior Jesus is, that even though the world may see him as weak and unimpressive, that you would open our eyes to see the way you have glorified him and put his name above every other name. Please help us to follow Jesus to deny ourselves and to take up our cross in order that you would grow us and grow your kingdom and glorify your name. When we find it difficult to persevere, please remind us of our hope of eternal life so that we might be steadfast and joyful as we strive to please you in every way. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.